I'm Anna Webb. Welcome to A Dog's Life. Hey, Mr. Binks, you know I've talked about when I went to Paris with Molly, and we did, we had a great time. And of course, you know that I drove Prudence all the way from Germany back into the UK. And on both these occasions, we used the shuttle. Well, we're going to jump on Zoom now and speak to Brenda Stauer, who's brought Le Pet Express to market. That means you can get to France and not have to drive. Brenda Stowers, welcome to A Dog's Life. Oh, thank you. It's nice to be here. Well, I'm so excited to talk to you because, gosh, we were introduced through, well, a mutual friend, really. Well, a friend of mine who gave me the news that there is this amazing service called Le Pet Express, which I just had to record a podcast about, Brenda, because it's amazing. Tell us a little bit more about Le Pet Express. Certainly. Now, I was excited as well. Um, so what we do is if you don't have a car, whether you're in the UK or whether you're in France and you have a pet, whether it's a dog, a cat, a rabbit, a ferret, we will pick you up at the train station and we will take you from the UK over to France and then we will drop you off at the train station over there and you can take the train off to Paris or to Lille to go off to Germany, blah, blah, blah. And we also pick you up on the French side and we bring you back to the UK through the Eurotunnel and we drop you off at Ashford International so that you can take the train straight up to London and head out from there. So if you don't have a car and you're like me, when I moved to the UK in 2010 and had a 90 pound German Shepherd and two cats, I'm like, how do I get them into the UK? Because I don't want to put them in the hold. And we bridge that gap for you. So just going back to when you moved over from the UK, was that from San Francisco, Brenda? It was from San Francisco. Um, I was relocating to London for work. And um, yeah, I had a 90 pound German Shepherd and two senior cats. And I was like, what, how am I going to get them to the UK without putting them in the hold? And I ended up in the beginning, I originally I booked, <laughs> I booked a I booked on the Queen Mary. I had to book 18 months in advance because there's 12 candles and 5,000 beds. Go figure. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, you did you do that? The Queen Mary. I've always wanted to do that. Well, I ended up not doing it. I, I had to do it 18 months in advance. And I was going to drive my senior dog and two senior cats, you know, 2,500 miles from San Francisco to New York, get on the Queen Mary and off we were going to come. And, and my dog died before then, which, you know, which kind of makes sense because, I mean, she was an older dog. And so when she died, what I did was I canceled the Queen Mary. So I never made it actually to the Queen Mary. And I bought two airline tickets, one for myself and one for a friend of mine to fly direct from San Francisco up to uh, Charles de Gaulle. And he took one cat and I took the other cat and we went in cabin and we landed in Charles de Gaulle. And I'm like, okay, well, at least I'm this far. And in 2010, there was nobody doing this business. And I finally found a driver in London, who would send someone over, charge me a thousand pounds, pick me up in Paris and took me up to London in one day. Um, you know, and, and for me, having gone through that process, I was on the Dover ferry and I'm staring at, you know, the white cliffs of Dover <laughs> as they are. I know you hear about, you know, what that means to people. And for me, I was standing there going, you know what, someday I'm going to change this. It does not have to be this hard. 
It's in, no, exactly. Sorry to cut in, but it's interesting, isn't it? It's always, I'm, I'm actually Canadian by birth and half Swedish. So traveling has been something we've always, I always did with my family. And it was always that England remained, Britain remained rabies free and quarantine rules. The thought of ever taking your dog with you to Paris was never going to happen, you know, for the majority of my life. That was always the thing because you had quarantine and that was it. So the whole involvement, uh, really, of the pet passport scheme was utterly unbelievable. If my dad had been alive to see it, he would never, you know, it was a, a big step for mankind in a way, you know. But I'm sure the Brexit now has made things a little trickier, has it, Brenda? Trickier. I mean, the rules didn't change. The EU pet passport scheme is, and the British government, they are in alignment. So the rules are the same on both sides of the channel. Well, what's changed is the documentation, which is what makes it tricky. And, and so what we do with our customers is once they place an order, we send them a pet checklist and we say, please, please, please send us your pet's documents. This is what you need to do. Um, and we will check them in advance. So what needs to happen is your animal needs to have a microchip. It needs to, this is the tricky part. The microchip date has to be on or before the rabies vaccination date. And if it's not, it's not valid. And the Eurotunnel will say no to you. Um, but they have to be microchipped. They have to have a current rabies vaccination. And that's what is required to get to France for dogs, cats, and ferrets. If you're coming back to the UK, your dog also needs to have the tapeworm treatment. Um, but we pre-check it at when we send out the invites or the invites, the, the emails. And then we also, once you're at the train station, we take a look at your documentation. And if you're on the British side, we don't let you on the van. And we say, go get it fixed and come back and we'll take you when it is. Because if we get down to the Eurotunnel, it's a locked facility. And we would have to leave and drop the person off at Folkestone and then come back and get back in the queue at the Eurotunnel, and then everybody else would get to go. And, and that cost us about an hour and a half to two hours delay. So we do as much as we can to pre-check it with people. We have lots of conversations. We get lots of screenshots with attachments, say, please check my documents. And when something does go wrong, um, like I've got a guy in Morocco right now who's bringing two cats over, the vet forgot to stamp one page, you know, mm -hmm. and he yeah, exactly. It's well, little things, you little know. things. Well, you know, I mean, I've traveled through the shuttle several times. And uh, the first time I did it, actually, we were at uh, the passport control at um, Calais, you know, because pets have their own building, don't they, Brenda, where you go and you can park in front of that section and, you know, literally see a see an official. And um, next to us were a family in utter despair because their vet in France had not countersigned the wormer, the all-important wormer to come back in and being refused. And the dog had a passport and obviously had been in, in and out of France and the UK several times, you know, and they were begging this uh, official, you know, because they'd miss their train you know this was disaster and they obviously couldn't leave their dog in Calais you know the thought can you imagine so it was panic stations and it does seem to be the paperwork that gets people if you like every time it, it does and it, it doesn't have to I mean what I noticed is when I first started the company we had like a 30 percent dropout rate meaning people were getting the paperwork wrong for silly little things like the vet didn't dot this they didn't cross that t sort of thing 
So as soon as I started sending out the pet checklist and encouraging people to send over their documents, that rate has gone down to like maybe one or 2%. So we really, really, really try and hold your hand and say, please send us your documents. We'll work with you. Send us the screenshots before you get on the van. Once you get on the van, we take a look at them for the last time. And then we prepare you for what you say. Like the first thing we do when we get to the Euro tunnel is we all get out of the van and we walk in together and we go to pet reception. And it's kind of like showtime at that point. There's there's no turning back. So um, what I do let people know is if, um, you know, if their paperwork's going to pass or not. And then if it's not going to pass, it's it's what I call playing poker, right? You know, you give them the documents that are incorrect. And then, you know, this is the best piece of paper that you should give them next to try and build a story to see if you can go, you know, so we will help them if their documents are wrong. If the Eurotunnel says no, the Eurotunnel says no, and they can't travel with us that day. Have you ever had um, a case where there was just say the vet signature, you know, which seems ridiculous to fail you on that because you've got the, you know, the strip of the vaccine or the wormer to prove that, you know, a pharmaceutical was used. Uh, have you ever been able to turn it around? Yes, we have. Um, so what we do is, and, and the Eurotunnel will try as well. We will say, can you show us the receipt of where you took this dog over to the vet? You know, usually it happens in Spain. It seems like where they forget to sign and show us the receipt of where the wormer was put, right? The date and the time. And uh, a lot of times they will accept that. Um, they will also accept like the credit card receipt um, if the customer has that. So we do that. Um, I had one lady once, she had a letter from AFA saying that because her dog was like, literally, this was like a 16 year old Chihuahua that was, she was relocating back to the UK. And she had a letter from AFA and the letter said that the animal was too old and it didn't, you know, it couldn't withstand the tapeworm treatment. And I kind of looked at her and I said, well, I've never seen anything like this before, right? Um, so we get to the Eurotunnel and she tells them that. And of course they say, no, 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 this isn't going to fly, right? And I said, well, well, hold on. We, we've got a few minutes and it's midweek. You know, can she contact AFA and can they send her a letter and send it to you? And, and you know, we waited 20 minutes and she got AFA, you know, on the phone and the man at AFA was very, very nice and supportive. And I said, look, we're here at the Eurotunnel. This is what's been said. She sent you the email. Can you please write an email right now and send it to the Eurotunnel so that they will let the 16-year-old Chihuahua go through? And AFA did. And the dog got to go that day. You know, so we do what yeah, sometimes it's, I always say no two days are the same. You really have to be on your toes. Okay, are we going to call AFA today? You know, I didn't get up in the morning and think that one, right? Yeah, well, that must, you know, be great fun on the, you know, on the other hand, because because you can't take that many people at once. There's rules and regs, isn't there now? Post-Brexit, DEFRA have made some new guidelines. I mean, explain what they are. Sure. So for us, we are we have a DEFRA type one, which means that we can take five pets. So we can take five dogs or five cats or five ferrets. Um, we are not an animal transporter, which allows you to take up to 10. Um, but because we have a van, we take five pets and we have weight limits and we take five people. So those are pretty much what the rules are. It's five a day over and five a day back sort of thing. 
I assume you've got everything like really kitted out in in the actual Pet Express for maximum comfort for the dogs and, and their safety and keeping cool in the summer, maybe keeping a little warmer in the winter. Yes. Well, I mean, what we do, I always joke. I mean, I'll get to the cages in a minute, but, you know, I always joke that the customer seats are more comfortable than the drivers because I spent extra money. When I designed the van, I bought slightly wider seats and for the people, and I spaced them slightly further apart so that people had the comfort as well as the animals. So on the animals, what we have to have is the cages have to be affixed. The animals have to go in the cages. There are regulations around that. And what we have is we will have on one side of the van, you will have the seats and directly opposite is the cage where your animal goes in. And it's a professionally kitted cage, just like what you see in the police cars. Um, It has a lock on the front and your dog or your cat is right there. And it's huge. I mean, these, these cages are, you know, at least a meter long, you know, and, and three quarters of a meter high. So your dog or your cat has plenty of room to move around. What we say to people is we ask them to, if it's a dog, to put their little carrier in there so that they can feel safe. If it's a cat, we say to them that we're going to put out a wee pad. We will unzip the, we'll close all the doors and we'll let the owner unzip the cat and let the cat wander around inside the cage while we're in transit. Um, So we try and, you know, make it as comfortable while being as safe as possible that is necessary per the regulations. Yeah, gosh, that sounds super. So, because that's been the point of the shuttle, really, that it it was the or it still is the only way you can travel to Europe with your dog by your side. Because on a ferry, you have to leave the dog down in the clanky carpet with oil and dreadful noises going on. And of course, flying nine times out of ten, the dog will have to go in the hold. I mean, those are the rules. So, you know, it's a marvellous service and, you know, and you're maintaining that by keeping the dogs opposite. I mean, I had no idea you had the the actual van custom built. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. It was quite the experience, you know, because I, I got to, you know, play around. Do we want the luggage by the front door? No, let's move it by the back door. Because at the end <laughs> of the journey, you know, people just want their luggage and they want to go catch their train and be on their way sort of thing. So, so yeah, it, it's... um. It's it's very interesting. I've I've learned a lot about, you know, designing vans and what people like, what they don't like. You know, people think it's really cool that it has like a fireman's pole right by the door. I mean, that's for structural integrity, but it makes for a good, you know, conversation point. Um, but yeah, it is a, a well kitted out van. That's uh, just brilliant, the fireman's pole. Now, you meet everyone at Ashford, which, of course, is the international train station for the Eurostar, which we must just say here probably will never accept dogs on it. Who knows why? But I guess in a way, Brenda, that's good for you. But you meet you meet at Ashford in Kent and there's lots of reasons for that. Yes, there are quite a few reasons. When I lived in London and I was looking at starting this company, I went to London Bridge Rail Station and I said, could I have a paper map, please, of the rail network? And I laid it out on my living room floor and I said, where do all the trains go? Where do they come from when they go through the Southeast, right? And where's the international train station? Where does it have big platforms? Where does it have lifts? Where does it have sufficient parking? There's five parking lots at Ashford International. Where does it have a turnaround area? And I looked on the map and I went, Ashford International, someday I'm going to live there, right? And that's how I came up with Ashford International because they built it out for the Eurostar. And like you say, I mean, they're not allowing pets. 
So we're using their facilities and and it's it's working well for us. And yeah, and I mean, I guess you could drive to Ashford if you wanted to, because I would assume there's lots of secure parking facilities if, you know, you wanted to do that. Um, there are at least five parking lots there. There are security guards walking around. They are secured. Um, there are also trains uh, 38 minutes from London St. Pancras to Ashford International, an hour from London Bridge, an hour 10 minutes from Charing Cross and from London Victoria to Ashford International. So that was, you know, again, when I did the exercise of laying the map out, I went, where are the trains going and how long does it take them to get there? Yep. So, I mean, so military precision, this sounds. And it seems to me that then at Ashford, when you're pre-checking everyone's documents, it reminds me of being at an airport where you go to the initial check-in before you, you know, get to the departure lounge, which I guess is when you actually have been checked in at Folkestone and you can enjoy some of the dog-friendly services, which I played a little part actually with the uh, exercise zone that's down at Folkestone. Yes, I, I worked yeah with the the euro tunnel team to help create that for maximum kind of you know fun for the dogs i can only say thank you for that because what it affords us is once we get everyone pre-checked at ashford international we do a 30 minute drive down the m20 and we go straight to the euro tunnel we check in and we usually have 20 to 30 minutes and that way people can take everybody gets off the van we go to pet reception as a little team and then afterwards, everybody, you know, I tell them, okay, we need to be back here in 30 minutes and they get to go to the pet play area and, or they can go inside and, and grab a cup of coffee or, or go to the bathrooms if they'd like. But yes, thank you so much because that pet play area, like I said, you know, it's where they go do biz- their business and they can run around and be bouncy and that way they get tired and they come back to the van and they sleep for the rest of the journey. Because it's not long, the shuttle, is it? Am I right? Was it 40 minutes? It's 35 minutes once it starts to move. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's very expedient. I mean, you can't even do it in a plane <laughs> that quickly, really. I don't think maybe you can. Um, but uh, what's the biggest dog you've taken? <laughs> um, you know, we've had Great Danes. And, and when I designed the van, I, I said to the guy that was designing it, I said, you know, I need these cages to be big enough to accommodate Great Danes. And and I've had Great Danes on the van. You know, I had one lady show up from Poland with her daughter and they had like a great Dane and a Chihuahua and it was (laughs) (laughs) all all creatures great and small Brenda will travel on Lipet Express (laughs) absolutely absolutely and there's room for everybody you know the great Danes just the cages are big enough for them so it's it's fantastic yeah no amazing I mean I guess yeah I mean I guess if one person is traveling with two dogs those two dogs add up towards your five total is that right that is yes yeah okay yeah 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 no that that makes sense I mean you know in terms of ferrets because I'm fascinated by ferrets they do really need to be secure it's a funny story but I drove um oh gosh a a son of my friend of my um parents' son up from London one Christmas and he had a ferret (laughs) named Bianca and uh, she escaped out of her container as we were on the M1. I mean, seriously, you can't make it up. Nothing bad happened. It was all fine. <laughs> but, you know, they can wriggle out of things, ferrets. So tell me a bit more about your ferrets that come with you. Well, yes, they are very wriggly. And and I find it very nervy that, you know, my customers, when we get into pet reception, they take them out of the bag and they hold them like little baby dolls. And I'm standing there going, OMG, you know, <laughs> um, 
However, when we are on the van, what we do is we let the ferret people on first. And we also do this with the cat people. We let them on first. We close the van door and I say to them, you know, you can let your animal out of the carrier and let it run around the cage, close the cage door. And once you've done that, tap on the van door and then I'll open it. So we do that purposefully so that we don't have ferret on the run, you know, on the M20 sort of thing. Yes, yes, no. It's, it's, but it's all very important. This, I mean, you know, your your meticulous attitude is really inspiring to me, Brenda. For me, having done the shuttle, for me, for example, I, mean, I used to live in Paris. I love going to Paris, and for me to have the opportunity to not have to bother with my car would make going to Paris a lot more fun, and you could prolong the enjoyment of Paris without worrying about the drive because it's quite a drive from Calais to Paris. I mean, the roads are better, you know, and there's less cars, but it's still about four hours to the centre of Paris, you know, it's quite a drive. So it makes it quite tiring if you're driven from London to Folkestone. And so the idea of just jumping on a train at Calais, you know, how dog friendly is, you know, because the Eurostar isn't dog friendly, but how dog friendly are normal trains in France? So trains in France are slightly different than trains in the UK. Trains in the UK, dogs and cats can ride free and dogs can ride unmuzzled. In France, dogs, you have to buy a ticket. It's about seven euros and they need to be muzzled. And and what I say to customers is, you know, bring the muzzle, put it on when asked, right? And I've only had one customer say to me that she was actually asked to put the muzzle on her dog. Um, but muzzles are required in France, but they can go on the trains. Interesting. I mean, what advice, you know, for anyone listening right now thinking, gosh, I want to do this, I've got to do this. Would you give in terms of a little bit of preparation? I always say prepare, prepare, prepare to help your dog, you know, travel smoothly. I I believe the best thing that any pet owner can do for their dog is to send us their pets documents in advance. Um, And that way, when they get to the train station, you know, they know that everything has been ticked and tied. Um, So that means, you know, you go to the vet, you've already had the microchip done. Um, The best thing they can really do is make sure that the vet writes the microchip date on or before the rabies vaccination date. And I say that, and that sounds so simplistic. However, most people will say to me, but I got my dog microchip 10 years ago. And and my response is, is this is not about when you got your dog microchipped. This is about the date the vet wrote in the documentation. But Brenda, what if you're at a different vet's from when you got your dog microchipped? Exactly. And that's why I say to people, I say, don't pay the vet unless they've put at least the date of the rabies vaccination um, of the microchip. Because what the whole, one of the big points of the EU pet passport scheme is to confirm that the animal does not have rabies before it enters the UK. So the identification point for that is the microchip. So sorry, Brenda, you've actually confused me here. Uh-huh. Hang on. Okay, so yes, you have a date when the microchip. So on the microchip number, does that contain the date that you actually inserted that microchip? No idea. And if so, it's on a database that none of us have access to. Is, is the answer. 
Well, there's so many databases. Exactly. You know? exactly. I mean, it's an yeah. utter, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, mess actually, and it should all be centralized like the DVLA system, if you ask me. And that's another podcast episode. Um, so wait, I don't really get this date of, of, of the microchip. Surely just having your dog microchipped is what matters, which is one of the main rules. And of course, the date of the rabies has to be documented without doubt. So I, I don't get it. Okay, so let me, let's just talk about if you have a um, UK animal health certificate and you're in the UK mm-hmm. and who knows where your dog was microchipped and how many years ago, what what the vet knows is that that vet has never seen that dog. You've walked in the door and you say, I want a UK animal health certificate. And they say, that's, that's fine. We can do that. Um, and what they will do is they will look and see, okay, you've got the original rabies vaccination. So that means we don't have to revaccinate the animal. Now for the vet to fill out the UK animal health certificate under the field, and this is the crazy bit, Anna, it says for the microchip date of implantation or date read. Today's date could be the date the vet read it which means that today's date of the microchip is after the rabies vaccination date. And the microchip has to be on or before the rabies vaccination date. So the paperwork is very, very misleading for people and they get tripped up on it all the time. Really see why. So wait, so basically, so say Prudence had uh, an up-to-date rabies vaccination right now lovely you know she's eight so her microchip went in eight years ago in Germany um, not near the vet so basically the vet would have to confirm that the rabies is in there I've scanned her chip today and therefore I've I authorize that it has it was read after the rabies shot if they do that they've created an invalid document. What they have to do is they have to say that the microchip, they have to trust that the rabies vaccination document that they're being handed, that the animal listed is the one in front of them. And therefore they are allowed to put the microchip date as the same as the rabies vaccination date. And that creates a valid document. If they put the microchip date as today's date, it falls after the microchip, after the rabies vaccination date. And that's an invalid document. Wow. So I'm sure a lot of people are getting caught out by this, Um, you know, because it's such a new change that I'm sure it's even confusing the vets, to be to be quite honest, perhaps, you know, not meaning to confuse them, because I know, you know, obviously no one knew what was going to happen when Brexit actually happened. And then these animal health certificates were introduced. Um, So I can see maybe why the vets are, I hate to say this, but charging, I think, rather a lot of money to supply people with these animal health certificates because people only want to go on holiday, really, with their dog. But, you know, particularly in the cost of living crisis, it's quite an expensive process, isn't it, Brenda? It is. I mean, from what our customers tell us, they, in the UK, they will pay about £250 for that animal health certificate. Um, I had an American lady the other day, she told me she paid $450 for hers. That was to get the animal into um, the UK. And so it doesn't seem to be just the British vets, it seems to be the vets globally, you know, that they recognize that this is, you know, if you love your pet, you're going to do this. So we're going to charge you as much as possible, which is absolutely highway robbery. 
Yeah, I think, you know, for this, because it is simply a question of signing some paperwork. But I think as well, it all hit at a time when vets were particularly, you know, under duress in a way, you know, I mean, British vets are down in terms of manpower by 50%, you know, because of Brexit. I know a Spanish vet that I used to see is no longer in London, for example. So that's a, a major, major issue, really, in terms of getting vet appointments full stop. However, but it's good that you are able when your customers send over the documentation of the microchip and the rabies shot that you are able to deduce this and hopefully you've caught this error in time for people to maybe run back to their vet and say look no we've we've checked with the pet express and unfortunately this is a bit incorrect and i'm not going to be able to get into france unless you re-sign this or what brenda well, that's the that's one of the hardest parts of our job is to deliver the bad message right? Um, because the answer to that question is the Euro tunnel will say no, and we will, we are obliged to respect that. And at that point, we drop you off at the local hotel in Calais until you get it resolved. And, and that's the seriousness of all of this, which is why we say, please, please, please send us pictures of your pet's documentation, and we will gladly check it in advance. Mm. So do you have a list of local vets in Calais where people can go to get the essential wormer? The Eurotunnel does, and we refer them to that link, and the Eurotunnel also gives them uh, the list of vets. Okay, so that's all catered for. Now, you know, it's important, isn't it, to land in countries at the official destination, or you could get in lots of trouble, like Johnny Depp did, for example, with his teacup Yorkies when he went to Australia. Yeah, I mean, in I, ironically, I think, I don't know much about maritime law in Great Britain. In in Australia, apparently, you have to declare that you're coming in with your pets before you actually arrive. And and it's my understanding that that didn't happen with with Johnny Depp. And that's why the Australians got bent out of shape over that one. Um, In the UK, what's important is that for us as a transporter is that the British government has declared specific ports of entry as official entry ports Uh, for bringing your pets in and also for immigration purposes, because we have a lot of people who are moving to Great Britain and they need to go through these ports to have their passports stamped. And the Eurotunnel is one of those ports, which is why we travel on the Eurotunnel for that. And and that would be why you have actually brought, you know, some people in from Ukraine with their pets, right? Yes. I mean, the Ukrainians are always a heartbreak. You know, Um, one of the things the Ukrainian rules, you, you think the rules are, are crazy for the microchip and the rabies vaccination. The re- Ukrainians have about, you know, two other rules that apply to them and, and they're very good. They always send us their documents. Um, the, the heartbreaker is, is, is when, you know, the invasion first happened, we would pull up at the Eurotome pet reception in on the French side and there would just be Ukrainians there saying, can you take me? Can you take me? Can you take me? Right. And, and that's just so hard because it's like, well, we're full today. You know, if, if we weren't full, um, I would ask people on the van, I said, you know, I will pre-check these people and I will ensure that they have the valid documents. And are you guys OK with, you know, them coming along because we've got an extra seat for, an, you know, a person and a dog. And and no one ever said no, you know, and, and on one day we had this lady and her daughter and they had two dogs. And one of them was a dog like yours, a little bull terrier. 
Oh. And it was, <laughs> it was very cold. And what struck me in all of this was this bull terrier, because they don't have a lot of fur. No, um, no, they don't like the cold. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know. Or the rain. <laughs> you know, and they're like standing in the parking lot, you know, at, at, on the French side in Calais at, at the Eurotunnel at, at the pet reception. And, and this dog had on, it was like a child's sweater. They had cut off the bottom of it. And it had two arms where the front legs went and it had like this big turtleneck collar. And that's what they just, you know, swooped it over the head of this dog and they put the sweater on. And of course it has a hole in the side, you know, but I mean, it was just darling, you know, how much someone loves their dog that they're going to travel all the way across Europe to go to the UK where they, I checked their documents, um, their pets documents were correct. And then I asked them, I said, may I see your passports and may I see your letter of entry from the British government authorizing you to enter into the UK? And so they showed me all that. And I said, great. Okay. So that's the first checkpoint. And and thankfully there was a lady on the van that day who was traveling with her daughter also. And she spoke Ukrainian because these customers that were literally begging me, um, when I say begging me, what they were doing was standing there with their two dogs, you know, mom and daughter, and she's shoving a wad of money at me, right? And and that's just not really a comfortable position to be in. And so I, I, I said to the Ukrainian passenger that I already had on board, I said, can you please tell her how much it is, right? And and I she told her how much it was. It was like 330 pounds. And and the lady just gave me this pile of money and I counted it and it was like 500 pounds. And I said, no, this is too much. And I gave her the money back. And, and this is to me, the level of desperation. The lady shoves the money back at me. And I said, no, I gave it to the daughter. I said, you keep that money. This <laughs> is not mine. You're going to need that money when you get to Great Britain, right? Yes, yes. But, um, but yeah, but it, it, this, Brenda, sort of epitomizes to me while you're doing this service, because you really understand about staying together with with your pets. You know, you, you've done that. And then it's like the kindness of this service oozes out to me that you you know, want it all to go really well, no hiccups at passport control, and and then helping people come in like this. Wow. And it, these people show how their dog matters to them. I mean, this is the inexplicable bond. I mean, you know, they might be quite happy to leave their mother-in-law in Calais, but they're not going to leave their dog. No, absolutely not. You know, when, when people are traveling with their pet, you know, I always say to people and, you know, when we answer the phones, you know, this is, this is their furry children, right? And and that's how we have to take this because I, that's how I treat my dog and my cat. You know, they are my furry children and I want them to be with me. I want to see them. I want to give them a comfortable ride. I, I want to know that, you know, I can be there with them. And so, yes, we, we do. We try and make it so that, you know, the owner is with the pet all the way. Um, there's time for a potty break, you know, and and what we find also is that the pets tend to be very calm on the van when we are traveling, because part of what I do is I try and engage the customers in a conversation, right? How old is your pet? Where did you get your pet from? You know, all of those types of questions, because it's been my experience that when Everybody on the van is talking about their pet. The animals realize that they are a part of a pack and they become very quiet. That's very interesting. Very interesting. But of course, you know, stress is contagious, right? So 
you know, I know I was really nervous about the paperwork and everything. And particularly when I was traveling on my own with Prudence coming in and with her as a puppy. And it was the first day we spent together driving eight hours from uh, near Dusseldorf (laughs) back to Buckinghamshire. We did it. We did it in a day. And um, my my point being, you know, my stress was contagious to prudence because dogs smell stress because they smell cortisol levels rising and falling so if everyone on the van is relaxed because they're not driving having a nice time they're meeting like-minded people it must be great the dogs and the cats and and the ferrets will be thinking oh there's a happy vibe going on here we don't you know so because stress is contagious so I think it's a wonderful way of traveling stress-free on on a, a load of levels actually Brenda Thank you. I mean, it is. I mean, one of the first things I say once I pre-checked everybody and they've gotten on the van is there are three checkpoints. And the first one is pet reception. And the good news is, is that all of your pets are good to go. Right. And then after that, (laughs) it's always the humans. Right. Then there's two checkpoints, one on the, you know, for the uh, British to look at your passport and the other one for your French. And I walk them through the process as we go through that purposefully so that people know why are we doing stop and go? Why are we going up to this gate sort of thing? Because it's like you say, is the more we can keep the tension down and the more we can keep people engaged, you know, please, can you help me stack up the passports sort of thing so that everybody is in it together and we're working together. The animals pick up on that. They pick up on it a lot and it, it keeps for a quiet van. Yeah, brilliant. No, I love that. I really do. And I'm sure, you know, you take essential water with you or do the pet parents actually take the supplies, if you like, perhaps a cheeky snack for the dog halfway. But it's such a quick ride, like 35 minutes. It's, you know, it's uh, not like going on the ferry, which is a lot longer. You know, it's it's a wonderful service, you know, this the, the shuttle. And I think you've really you know, you've really hit the jackpot, in my view, to help people have adventures and spend extra time with their beloved fur babies. Yes. I mean, we do carry water bowls and we do carry water. We're actually required to do that. Um, The crazy regulations um, that we're under are for animals for slaughter and animals for slaughter must have access to water and they must have a certain cage of a certain size, um, which is why we have cages big enough for Great Danes. And it's also why we carry dog bowls and we have water on board. Um, Nonetheless, you know, you have to know about these regulations and make it, you know, turn it around and say, okay, you know, would anyone like water for their dog? Would anyone like water for their cat? And and a lot of people bring their own water bowls and and that's fine because the floors of the van are not carpeting. They're rubberized. Mm. I knew they'd be rubberized. That's such a good idea. (laughs) It has to be, you know, no one's ever had a potty accident. We have had a dog or two throw up, Um, you know, and that's just the way it goes, you know, and and usually it's because the owner fed the dog before the journey. So, you know, lesson learned, please don't feed your dog before you go on the journey sort of thing. No. And and then I suppose the other question, Brenda, is so when you get to Calais, it's brilliant to be dropped off at the train station, but just say you wanted to hire a car, and, and drive on, you know, the right side of the road rather than being in a left-hand drive car, which, you know, I know from experience isn't always as easy as it might seem. <laughs> so you're better off in a French car when you're driving in France. Yeah, is that easy to sort out? It is. So what we've done is at the train station that we drop passengers off at at Calais Freight Town, there's an Avis car rental, which is downstairs. 
Um, and also, if people don't want to rent from Avis, there are car rental companies in Calaisville. And what we have is we have a list of pet-friendly taxis that will we give customers the phone number for the pet-friendly taxis. They come and collect them, and they take them off to the um, car rental places down by the, uh, I think it's the ferry port. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. no, no, that makes sense. No, Calaisville is absolutely lovely. So I remember when we traveled with the Varna, we'd no sooner got through the shuttle because it was a quick trip. So we had to get the wormer as done as soon as we arrived in order for it to be in the time frame, because the time frame certainly then was very tricky. You know, if you had your wormer done, uh, now let me think if I can remember, less than 48 hours, so 24 hours before you're returning, that's no good either. No, I mean, you have to have it at least 24 hours. So we tell people it has to be done at least before four o'clock on the day of our journey. And it expires after day five stroke 120 hours. And, oh, they're very, oh my goodness. I had a lady from Malaysia. She flew in with her little dog and she had the wormer done in Malaysia. And we got to the Euro tunnel and it was like 123 hours. Oh no. So what happened? Well, we're all sitting there, you know, looking up, you know, the time that it is in France and the time it is in Malaysia. And they said, no. And Oh, it was, it was terrible, you know, so I dropped her off. I, I told her in advance because I caught it at, at Calais Freyton. And I said, oh, this is not good. This is really not good. We're, we're going to speed up there as soon as, you know, as quickly as we can get everybody boarded to see if we can, you know, get you through. They said no, dropped her off at the hotel. Um, and what happened was um, she had meetings in London and she couldn't, she left the dog with a, a boarder. And then she actually had the dog transported from Calais up to her in London because she was at work every day and she couldn't come back with us to bring the dog back again. Oh, it's gosh. It's tragic. Absolutely tragic. And then the dog would have had to have had another wormer. Yes, yes. Gosh, you know, we mustn't be putting people off listening to this with, you know, wormer panic and whatever. It's it. Trust me, even I've smoothly gone in and out four times driving myself, you know, that it is possible for the but that was with a, an EU passport. But it is possible. I think you just have to keep on your vet's case and rely on Brenda to double check and to be aware of this wormer detail, um, but you only need the wormer right when you're coming back in from France. So it's not needed um, when you meet at Ashford. That That's right. And, you know, once we started doing the pet checklist, our dropout rate is about one to 2%. Because people often ask me that question. I say it is so, so rare because, you know, we just, we really put ourselves in front of people. Please, please, please send us your pets documents. We will gladly check them for you. Right. Yes. Yes. So it's like a, you know, well, cradle, like a proper travel agent service, really, you know, because of course you want it all to go very smoothly um, for your customers. Yeah. I mean, Brenda, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, a weekend in Paris, let me tell you, and uh, certainly traveling um, with you to do it. Hurrah. (laughs) We better get a date in the diary, but I'm sure you're getting pretty booked up. The links are going to be in the show notes to how you book, but just, you know, explain quickly how you book. 
Certainly. So I tried to make it as easy as possible. If you go to the landing to the homepage, lepetexpress.com, you'll see a button that says book now. If you want to go UK to France, you click that button. If you want to click, if you want to go France to UK, you click that button. You select the date on the calendar if it's green, and then you just follow the shopping cart and check out. Can you just book a return trip though? So say you're going for a weekend, can you book the whole return package all at once? Yes, you can. Yes, you have to do select the dates and you put them in the cart and then you check out at once. Yes. Excellent. No, that's that's great. And it is fun to go and have an adventure with your dog or your cat. It's amazing. Look, Brenda, thank you so much for um, coming on A Dog's Life. And I must say, I think this is a genius, genius and a great service to make travel with your pet so much easier. Super. Thank you very much for having me. That's our show, Mr. Binks. What did you think? Oh, yes, I know you want to go on Lupet Express. Well, we'll have to sort that out. Yes, you're right. It is time for Woof of the Week. There's no better experience than traveling over to the EU with your pet. And now there's no excuse with Lupet Express. Well, I hope you all enjoyed it. If you did, go on, rate and review the show wherever you tune into your podcast. It really, really helps. Thanks again, of course, to Brenda Stower for joining us today. And all the links and how to book Lupet Express are in the show notes. Thanks, of course, to Mike Hansen, my producer, for all the music and production as ever. What's that, Mr. Binks? Yes, you're right. We will be back in your feed next week. So... Why don't you subscribe now and that way you'll never miss another show. Bye for now. Bye.